Blog Talk Radio. All right, sports fans, how's everybody out there doing? William Martin coming at you one more time here on blogtalkradio.com with another edition of the 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge Show. As always, I want to take this time out to thank all of you fine folks out there for tuning in this evening. And as always, the guest caller number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. And on this wonderful evening of October 29th, 2017, I can gladly once again tell the world that Miss Runner's baby boy is back on the air. Now, it was another exciting Sunday in the world of the National Football League, and I want to get things started with the game of the day as the 3-3 three and three Houston Texans travel to the Pacific Northwest to take on the 4-2 and two Seattle Seahawks. Now, there was plenty of explosion in this contest, and it got started early as the Texans marched down the field for, on the opening kickoff for a touchdown, and the drive was culminated when rookie quarterback Deshaun Watson connected with wide receiver Will Fuller the fifth on a 59-yard touchdown pass to give Houston the early 7 to nothing advantage. Now, the Texans were driving once again later on in the first quarter, and it looked like they were about to go up 14 to nothing. However, Watson was picked off by Seahawks free safety Earl Thomas, who returned at 78 yards for Pater to knock the score at seven apiece. The Texans would be undaunted, and they put together an eight-play, 82-yard drive, which was capped off by a three-yard run from Lamar Miller as they went back in front by the score of 14-7. to Now, just before the first quarter came to an end, the Seattle offense got going as the Seahawks put together an eight-play, 75-yard drive, which was capped off when quarterback Russell Wilson connected with wide receiver Paul Richardson on a 20-yard pass to knock the score at 14 apiece. But in the early stages of the second quarter, that Texans offense would get going again as they put together an 11-play, 84-yard drive that ate up more than five minutes of game clock, and it was capped off when Watson found Fuller again, this time from 20 yards out, to give Houston the 21-14 to advantage. Later on in the second quarter, Wilson would connect with Richardson again, this time from seven yards out, and the score was knotted at 21 apiece heading into intermission. Now, after three field goals in the third quarter, two by Seattle and one by Houston, the offense has really exploded once again in the fourth. Early on, Watson would connect with running back Lamar Miller on a two-yard pass, touchdown pass to give Houston the 31 to 27 lead. Seattle would come right back, and Russell Wilson would find tight end Jimmy Graham in the back of the end zone on a one-yard connection to give Seattle the lead and their first, pardon me, their second lead of the contest at 34 to 21, or 31 rather. However, Houston would not go away. And on the second play of their ensuing drive, Watson hit wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins on a screen pass, and Duke Hopkins did the rest as he scampered through the Seahawks' defense to the tune of a 72-yard touchdown pass 
to give Houston the lead at 38-34. to Now, Seattle was stopped, and they had to give the football back to Houston, but their defense was able to answer the bell, and they gave their offense the ball back with about a minute and a half in regulation. And after Russell Wilson connected on a bomb to Paul Richardson, it set things up, and with just 21 seconds left, in the contest, Wilson would find Jimmy Graham again wide open in the end zone, this time from 18 yards out, to give Seattle the 41-38 to 38 advantage. And this time the Seahawks would hold on as they would win by the score of 41-38. to 38. You look inside of this game, and we expected to see the defenses shine in this one. However, it was about the offenses as – Houston was able to rack up 509 yards of total offense while Seattle checked in with 479. But the big thing, it was three interceptions from Deshaun Watson that really hurt the Texans. Two to Richard Sherman and then, of course, the one to Earl Thomas, which was a pick six. But you look at it, this kid was undaunted. He had a 400-yard passing game against one of the better secondaries in football. You look at what Duke Hopkins was able to do as well as Will Fuller. So, the future is really looking bright for this Texans team. On the flip side for Russell Wilson, he was 26 of 41 passing for 452 yards with four TDs and a pick. Tyler Lockett had six receptions for a buck 21, while Paul Richardson had six receptions for a buck 05. And I look at this game, and I look at Seattle. And this was a must-win game, and you knew that it wasn't going to be easy against this Texans team. But the Seahawks simply went out there and found a way to win. The defense was not there consistently. They had flashes uh, against this Texans offense, but the offense of the Seahawks really stepped up this afternoon. Now, for the Houston Texans, and I mean, it's midseason, but you might as well just simply go ahead and give Deshaun Watson the Rookie of the Year award. I mean, this guy is the real deal. There's no question about it. And again, like I said it before, uh, at the NFL draft, all of those teams that passed on them were really going to regret it. And you just have to wonder how much of the Cleveland Browns wishing that they had taken this kid right now, because he has shown that he is the real deal. And it's his maturity because he's not phased. He went up against the best secondary in football today. He went to a hostile environment at CenturyLink Field in Seattle, and the kid was cool. And each time that he made a mistake, he came right back, and he was right back in the faces of the Seahawks defense. And you just have to wonder, had the Texans gotten the ball back again? I mean, they did uh, with limited time, and he did throw that second interception to Sherman. But had it been a situation if you had given Deshaun Watson a minute or a minute and a half with that ball, we might be talking about Houston winning this contest. So – Yes, Houston lost this contest, and they have plenty to learn from it, especially Deshaun Watson. But I, I tell you, the future is bright for him and this Texans organization. Now, you look ahead to week number nine for both of these clubs. Seattle will be at home to host the Washington Redskins, while Houston will be at home to take on the Indianapolis Colts. Now, moving right along, you had the three and four Oakland Raiders traveling to Western New York to take on the four and two Buffalo Bills. Buffalo entered this contest undefeated at home with a record of three and zero, and they were looking to keep it going. However, in the early stages of the first quarter, it was Oakland's offense that struck first, as Jamizi Olalawali, excuse me, 
uh, punched it in from a yard out to give Oakland the seven to nothing advantage. However, after that, somebody forgot to tell the Raiders that they still had plenty of football that remained to be played. The Raiders took a seven to nothing lead until the second quarter, and midway through that frame, Buffalo's offense got going when quarterback Tyrod Taylor connected with Andre Holmes from six yards out to knock the score at seven apiece. Then the Bills' defense took over as Matt Milano returned a 40-yard fumble return for a touchdown just before the first half ended to make it 14-7 to in favor of the Bills. A pair of Derek Carr interceptions set up a pair of uh, Stephen Hauschka field goals in the third quarter for Buffalo as they were able to extend their lead to 20-7. to And on the first play of the fourth quarter, Tyrod Taylor punched it in from a yard out to make it 27-7 to in favor of the Bills, and this capped off a 12-play, 80-yard drive that ate up more than seven minutes of game clock. The Raiders did attempt to respond as Derek Carr connected with running back DeAndre Washington from four yards out to make it 27-14. to However, later on in the fourth quarter, Shady McCoy would put the game away with a 48-yard touchdown run to make it 34-14, to and the Bills went on to win this contest by that score today. And you look at it, Buffalo's defense was lights out. They forced four turnovers today from the Raiders. Two of those were interceptions by Derek Carr. Derek Carr was 31-49 of 49 passing for 313 with a TD and those two picks. Oakland didn't really have any running game because he only had 54 yards on the ground. Michael Crabtree had five receptions for 83 yards, while Amari Cooper had five receptions for 48 yards. But this was Buffalo's type of game. Why? Because you look at their defense, they stepped up to the forefront. Tyrod Taylor was just 20 of 27 passing for a buck 65 while Shady McCoy had 27 carries for a buck 51 and a TD. And this is the way that Buffalo is going to win games because you look at Sean McDermott, their head coach, he is dedicated to running the football. And as long as he's dedicated to running the football on offense, it limits the amount of times that Tyrod Taylor is going to have the football in his hands. So because of that, now – you know, you're making Tyrod Taylor a more efficient player. Then you look at this Buffalo Bills defense. They play angry. There's there's no way around it. This Bills defense goes out there, they play angry, and they are a different team at home. And this marks the first time since night uh part of me since two thousand uh eleven that the Bills are four and oh pardon me, not four and oh, but uh five and two. So could this be the year that Buffalo finally puts it all together and makes the postseason for the first time since 1999? It's been that long, but I mean, you're talking about a very hungry fan base up there in Western New York, and they are just simply to come ready to come out and support this team. So if you're Buffalo, you just want to try to keep the momentum going heading into the second half of the season. Now, for the Raiders, they got some momentum for themselves after their Thursday night victory in week number seven over the Kansas City Chiefs. But the bottom line is it's not going to be as easy, or it hasn't been as easy for the Raiders as it was last year because the Raiders kept finding a way to win the close games, and they they always found a way to go on the road and win. That has not been the case this year. And for, for Oakland, it's just like last year. They were relying too much on the right arm of Derek Carr. You look at it, 
even when Marshawn Lynch is there, of course, he was suspended for this contest. The Raiders really haven't had an impact with through their running game, and their defense still can't stop people. So until you do that, the Raiders are going to struggle. And I mean, they're three and five right now, and they need to figure it out sooner rather than later because this season, which started with so much hype and so many expectations is ready to get away from them. Now you look ahead to week number nine for both of these clubs. It'll be a short turnaround for Buffalo as they will be at the Meadowlands this Thursday night to take on the New York Jets. While for the silver and black, they will find themselves in week number nine on the road for Sunday night football against the Miami Dolphins. Folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626 626- Two three one zero three zero nine. Moving right along, there was another old AFL matchup as you had the three and four Los Angeles Chargers traveling to Foxborough to take on the five and two New England Patriots. And for the Chargers, they were looking to get to the five hundred mark after beginning the season with a record of 0-4, but it was going to be very tough. As for quarterback Phillip Rivers, he has never uh, been able to beat uh, Patriots quarterback Tom Brady. Now, the scoring got started uh, uh, midway through the first quarter when Chargers running back Melvin Gordon exploded for an 87-yard touchdown run to give L.A. the 7 to nothing advantage. New England would immediately respond as they put together a 14-play, 77-yard drive, which ate up more than six minutes of game clock. And on the first play of the second quarter, quarterback Tom Brady connected with tight end Rob Gronkowski on a two-yard touchdown pass to knock the score at seven apiece. Now, New England would get their first lead of the contest later on in the second quarter after a botched punt Returned by Travis Benjamin led him to uh, running around in the end zone where he was tackled for the safety by Brandon King to give New England the 9-7 to advantage. The Patriots would capitalize on, on that uh, field position, and Steven Gostowski would connect on his first field goal of the contest to make it 12-7. to Gostowski would connect on another field goal before the first half ended to make it 15-7, to and it was his leg that did the damage for the remainder of the game for New England. However, it was 18-7 in favor of the Patriots heading into the fourth quarter. And midway through that frame, Phillip Rivers did connect with Travis Benjamin on a 24-yard touchdown pass. Los Angeles would go for the two-point conversion and fail, and the score remained at 18-13. Gostowski would ice the game later on with his fourth field goal of the contest, as New England would go on to win this afternoon by the score of 21 to 13 and for the Patriots they were able to dominate the line of scrimmage it was just that when they got down into scoring range they had to settle for field goal attempts as opposed to touchdowns I mean Gostowski connected on four field goals today while he did miss two attempts but this Patriots offense was able to rack up 414 yards of total offense for the second consecutive game New England was able to limit their opposing quarterback to under 300 yards as Phillip Rivers was 17 of 30 for 212 yards with a TD, a pick, and he was sacked one time. Of course, Melvin Gordon did have that big run for the Chargers this afternoon, and he finished the game with 132 yards on 14 carries. Tom Brady was a typical Tom Brady today as he was 32 of 47 passing 
for 333 yards with a TD and a pick. He was sacked three times by this Chargers pass rush, but he found a way to move around it. And, of course, it was another stellar game receiving for running back James White as he had five grabs for 85 yards, while Rob Gronkowski had five grabs for 57 yards and the TD. And you look at this contest, and this is typical Chargers. They play good enough to win, but they simply have been unable to consistently make those key plays when the chips are down. And even towards the end of this contest, L.A. had an opportunity to get a touchdown and, you know, get potential two-point conversion to send this game into overtime, and they were unable to do it. And, you know, because of that, now they're 3-5, and and they had really built some momentum for themselves over the past few weeks. I mean, they won their last three games, and you look at their streak – to start the season when they lost when they lost their first four, they were right there in all of those games. So now it's back to the drawing board for the Chargers. And for the Patriots, you look at it like this. It's another season. People want to write the Patriots off when they start off slow and they're struggling. And people just really need to understand how New England is. They start off slow, they gel, they gel, they gel, and by the time November comes around, Everybody's talking about the Patriots as the best team in football. Guess what? New England is 6-2 and two right now. They have yet to play their best football, and I guarantee you, come Thanksgiving, people are going to be talking about the Patriots in the same fashion. Of course, there's no Julian Edelman this season, so the Patriots are figuring it out as they go along as far as who's going to be that guy to step up and make those plays offensively for Brady. And then on the defensive end, now we saw it today. Uh, this is the first game without Dante Hightower at inside linebacker as he was lost for the season with a torn pectoral muscle. But for the Pats, it's simply the next guy up. And I guarantee you New England is going to be a force as the season progresses. Now, this is a good point for New England as they will be able to go into their bye week on a strong note. And the Chargers will enter their bye week as well. But they just simply want to get back on the winning track. Now, in the nation's capital, it was a battle for second place in the NFC as you had the 3-3 three and three Dallas Cowboys taking on the 3-3 three and three Washington Redskins. It was 3 to nothing in the first quarter in favor of Washington when Dallas got their first touchdown of the game when they put together a five-play 75-yard drive, which is capped off by a 13-yard run from running back Ezekiel Elliott to give them the 7-3 to advantage. Washington would immediately respond by putting together a 7-play, 75-yard drive of their own, and it was capped off by a 1-yard run from running back Rob Kelly as Washington uh, went to the second quarter holding the 10-7 to advantage. It was 13-7 to in favor of Washington late in the second quarter when this uh, game completely changed. The Redskins appeared to be ready to go in for a touchdown to make it 20-7. to They had to settle for a field goal, and Nick Rose's field goal attempt was blocked, and it was returned to the two-yard line by Cowboys defensive back Orlando Scandrick. And from there, the Cowboys simply handed off to running back Ezekiel Elliott, and he punched it in, and Dallas took the 14-13 to lead into the locker room at the half. Like I said before, that changed the momentum of the game as the Cowboys were able to put together three drives in the third quarter, and each of them resulted in Mike Nugent field goals as they were able to extend their lead to 23-13. to 
Early in the fourth quarter, Nugent connected on another field goal to make it 26-13. to And at this point, it looked like the Redskins were ready to get back into the game as they were finally able to mount a drive as it was a 14-play, 75-yard drive for Washington, which ended when Cousins connected with tight end or wide receiver, rather, Josh Doxson from a yard out to make it 26-9 to as the extra point was missed. Now, Washington was able to stop Dallas and get the football back, but this Dallas defense, which made life tough for Kirk Cousins all afternoon, passed, and it fell into the waiting arms of, of defensive back Byron Jones, who returned at 21 yards for the pick six, and Dallas would go on today to get the 33-19 victory. And you look in the side of the numbers, it was a pedestrian-like day for Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott as he was 14 of 22 passing for a buck 43 with no TDs and no picks, and he was sacked two times. But the man of the hour on offense for the Cowboys was once again Ezekiel Elliott as he had 33 carries for a buck 50 with two touchdowns. And like I said, this Washington, uh, this Dallas defense made life tough for Kirk Cousins all afternoon as he was 26 of 39 passing for uh, 263 with a TD and a pick while he was sacked four times. He did connect with Jamison Crowder nine times for 123 yards. But this Dallas defense was coming after him, and I think the Cowboys did a good job in taking advantage of the fact that the Redskins have so many injuries on their offensive line. And because of that, they really went out there this evening and made life tough for Kirk Cousins. And for Dallas, this is where it started last season, because if you go back to the 2016 season, the Cowboys, they lost their first game to the Giants, then they went on the road and faced the Redskins in week number two. And they were staring not only 0-2 in the face, but also 0-2 in the division. And Dallas really concentrated and focused on running the football with Ezekiel Elliott. And from there, you know, the rest was history. Dallas got off to that fast start afterwards. They cruised to a 13-3 and regular season, and they were the top seed heading into the playoffs. And I think for the Dallas Cowboys, their recipe has not changed. Simply give the football to Ezekiel Elliott. He changes everything and the flow for what the Cowboys are able to do on offense, and he really makes life easier for their defense as well because they are not on the field as much due to the fact that Dallas is dominating and controlling the line of scrimmage. Now, you look ahead to week number nine for both of these clubs. The Cowboys will find themselves at home next Sunday afternoon when they host the Kansas City Chiefs, while Washington will be on the road to take on the Seattle Seahawks. Folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. Moving right along at the Meadowlands today, you had the 3-3 three and three Atlanta Falcons traveling to take on the New York Jets. And for the Falcons, they came into this game looking to end a three-game losing streak with all three of those losses coming against opponents from the AFC East. Now the Jets would take the opening kickoff and march down the field on an eight-play, 75-yard drive, which was capped off when quarterback Josh McCown connected with Eric Tomlinson from 20 yards out to give the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets 
the seven to nothing advantage. Now, later in the first quarter, Atlanta would tie the game as they put together a seven play, 64 yard drive, which is capped off when quarterback Matt Ryan connected with Austin Hooper from one yard out to not the score at seven apiece. Now, late in the first half, the score was tied at 10 when uh, McCown connected with wide receiver Robbie Anderson from 24 yards out to give the Jets the 17-10 to 10 advantage. Now, it was 17-16 to 16 in favor of the Jets heading into the fourth quarter when the Falcons were able to make a comeback. Early on in the fourth, Ryan connected with wide receiver Mohamed Sanu on an eight-yard touchdown pass to give Atlanta the 22-17 to 17 advantage. Now, Atlanta would go for the two-point conversion and fail, and they had to settle for having a five-point lead. Now, it was 25-20 to 20 late in this contest when the Jets got the football back, but it was too little too late, and they had a false start penalty called against them, and being that it was under 10 seconds, of course, it was a 10-second runoff, and the contest would end, and the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets would fall this afternoon at home to the Falcons by the score of 25-20. to 20. Now, the Jets were game. You look at Josh McCown. He was 26 of 33 passing for 257 yards or two TDs and, and no picks while he was sacked three times. The Jets' running game simply was not there this afternoon, and that's credit to the Falcons' defense for taking that away. Robbie Anderson did step up with six receptions for a buckle four with a TD. But you look at this Falcons' offense. Matt Ryan was 18 of 29 passing for 254 yards or two TDs and no picks, and he was sacked once. Tevin Coleman had 82 yards on 14 carries, and as a team, Atlanta had 140 yards on the ground. And I keep saying, and finally the Falcons are realizing it, they need more balance on offense, and they have to get back to running the football. And we saw that today. And, you know, for the Falcons, I've talked about them having that Super Bowl hangover because of the not only just losing the Super Bowl, but how they lost the Super Bowl. And it's indicative and it's imperative for them to go out there and try to figure it out because games are going to be won in the fourth quarter. And Atlanta showed the wherewithal to make the key plays. The conditions out there were not good today. It was rainy and windy, but they found a way. And, you know, for the Jets, it's the same old song. They they fight, they scrap, they claw. They're right there in the contest. However, they just don't have the playmakers needed to go out there and make those plays that are going to get them over the hump. And because of that, the Jets are going to continue to be close in contest, but they are not going to win too many as the season progresses. Now, you look ahead to week number nine, for both of these clubs and for Atlanta. They will be on the road once again, this time to take on the Carolina Panthers, while for the Jets it is a short turnaround as they will host their AFC rivals in the Buffalo Bills this Thursday night. Now at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans, you had the 4-2 and two Saints taking on the 3-4 and four Chicago Bears. Now, New Orleans would take the opening kickoff and march right down the field on a seven-play, 81-yard drive, which is capped off by an eight-yard touchdown run 
from Alvin Kamara to give them the seven to nothing advantage. <coughs> excuse, <coughs> excuse me. It was seven to three late in the second quarter in favor of New Orleans when they were able to put together an eight-play, 80-yard drive, which was capped off by a one-yard run from running back Mark Ingram to give them the 14-3 to advantage. Now, the Saints were able to maintain that lead, and it was 17-6 to in favor of New Orleans late in the fourth quarter when the Bears were able to score their first and only offensive touchdown of the contest as Tariq Cohen punched in a one-yard run to make it 17-12. to Now, Chicago would go for the two-point conversion and come up short, and they gave the football back to New Orleans, and Will Lutz was able to connect on a 49-yard field goal to extend the Saints' lead to 20-12. to Now, the Bears would have one more opportunity, but rookie quarterback Mitchell Trubisky was picked off, and New Orleans was able to run out the clock, and the Saints went on to win this contest today by the score of 22-12. And the youngster at quarterback for the Bears and one Mitchell Trubisky was 14 of 32 passing today for a buck 64 with no TDs and a pick while he was sacked twice. Jordan Howard had a big game for the Bears as he had 102 yards on 23 carries. And you look at it for the Saints. Drew Brees was 23 of 28 passing for 299 with no TDs and no picks while Mark Ingram had 75 yards on the ground. And I look at it like this for the Saints. They've gotten away from what they were doing over the past few years, and right now it's effective. Because you look at this game, New Orleans only scored 20 points. Jubriz didn't throw a touchdown. Right now, the Saints are winning by being able to run the football and playing defense. And you look at Drew Brees, all of those years he was putting up 5,000 yards. Guess what? They didn't win because he was trying to do everything by himself. Now, <clears throat> this New Orleans team, they're more balanced. And they are going to be a very dangerous team coming down the stretch because of that. Because you look at how they get after people at the defensive end of the field. And you look at their ability to consistently run the football with Mark Ingram. That's huge. We, we, we know that Drew Brees still has one of the better arms in the National Football League, and we know that Drew Brees can get it done when the game is on the line. Now you bring in those other elements to the equation for this Saints team, and they are going to be very tough to deal with. Now for the Chicago Bears, they're young, and they are figuring it out. And for John Fox, their head coach, you know that his teams are going to play hard. And this young team is figuring it out. And they're going to get somebody in the second half of the season. They're going to get a playoff contender. They already got the Pittsburgh Steelers at home. But I guarantee you there's going to be a team out there in the second half of the season that's going to face the Bears, and the Bears are going to really shatter their dreams in regards to making the postseason. And I'll tell you like this. The Bears are going to be tough for the second half of the season, and I, if I'm a, if I'm another one of those teams in the NFL, I definitely do not want to face them uh, heading into 2018. Now you look ahead to week number nine for both of these clubs, and for New Orleans, they will be at home once again next Sunday. This time to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, while the Chicago Bears will have their bye week. 
Folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. Now, it was an NFC South showdown today as you had the 4-3 Carolina Panthers traveling to Raymond James Stadium to take on the 2-4 and four Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it was all about the defenses in this contest. But Carolina's offense was able to dictate the pace somewhat. As you look in the first quarter, they were able to put together a long 17-play, um, 82-yard drive, which ate up more than eight and a half minutes of game clock. And this uh, was capped off by a one-yard run from Jonathan Stewart late in the first quarter to give the Panthers the seven to nothing advantage. Now from that point, it was really about the defenses as Tampa Bay was able to take, pardon me, Carolina was able to take a 10 to three lead to the locker room at the half. And it was, it it remained uh, 10, three until late in the fourth quarter when Carolina was able to put this contest away with a touchdown drive to make it 17-3, and that would be the final score this afternoon as the Panthers would win today by the score of 17-3. And you look inside of the numbers, it wasn't pretty for Cam Newton. Yeah, it was 18-32 passing for a buck 54 with a TD and a pick, while Carolina only had 100 yards of rushing. But their defense really stepped up for the challenge today as they limited what Bucks quarterback Jameis Winston was able to do. He was 21 of 38 passing for 210 yards with no TDs and two picks while he was sacked three times by this uh, feisty Carolina defense today with uh, Julius Peppers, you know, chiming in on the fun with, with a sack. And the reason why I bring up the – 37-year-old veteran in the NFL is because that sack by Peppers today allowed him to pass Chris Dolman for fourth place all-time on the National Football League's sack list. And you look at Carolina. This is a team they were 4-1. and one. They lost two consecutive games, and they needed to get back on track. They lost their first divisional contest earlier this season at home to the New Orleans Saints And for the Panthers, you know, this is a team that they started off looking like a playoff contender, and after the two losses, they wanted to try to get back on track, and they were able to do that today, and they were able to do that with their defense. Their offense, however, is still a work in progress, but it's easier to be a work in progress at 5-3 and as opposed to 4-4 and when you've lost three games in a row. And for Tampa Bay, this season, which began with playoff expectations, is beginning to get away from them. And for the young Bucks, they still have to figure out what it takes to consistently win in the National Football League. They have yet to do that. And until Tampa Bay is able to do that, they are, they are just going to be an afterthought in the NFC South. Now, you look ahead to next Sunday for both of these teams, Carolina will be at home when they host the Atlanta Falcons, while Tampa Bay <clears throat> excuse me, will be on the road to take on the New Orleans Saints. 
Now, in the city of brotherly love this afternoon, it was a 6-1 Philadelphia Eagles taking on the winless San Francisco 49ers. After a quarter of play, it was 3-0 in favor of Philly, and then their offense really got it going in the second quarter. Late in that quarter, the Eagles scored their first touchdown of the game when Carson Wentz connected with tight end Zach Ertz from a yard out. Now, the extra point by place kicker Jake Elliott was no good, and Philly had to settle for the 9 to nothing advantage. Now, later on in that quarter, the defense of the Eagles stepped up, and they really began the process of putting this game out of reach for the winless Niners as Chris, uh, uh, Jalen Mills picked off a pass from C.J. Beathard today and returned it 37 yards for the score to make it 17 to nothing in favor of Philly. It was 20 to 7 late in the third quarter in favor of the Eagles when they put this contest away when Wentz connected with wide receiver Alshon Jeffrey from 30 from 53 yards out rather and to make it 27 to 7 and Philly would go on to win this contest today by the score of 33 to 10 and you look inside of the numbers today wasn't a big afternoon for Carson Wentz and he didn't have to have a big afternoon as he was 18 of 32 passing for 211 yards with two TDs and he he had threw one pick and he was sacked three times by this Niners defense but on the flip side rookie quarterback CJ Beathard was 17 of 36 passing for a buck 67 with a TD and two picks and he was sacked four times by this opportunistic Philadelphia defense. And you look at the Eagles, and they did what good teams are supposed to do. You're taking a team that's bad, and you, you want to go out there, you want to put them out of their misery early, and that is exactly what Philadelphia did today. You know, they had the injury to Jason Peters last week, and that's still I, I still think at some point that's going to come back and catch them because he was a leader on that team, and he was also the anchor on their offensive line. But, you know, Philly, like I said before, Philly was able to go out there. They put San Francisco out of their misery early, and this team is going to be very dangerous in the postseason because they have a legit playmaker at quarterback in Carson Wentz. And you look at Doug Peterson, their head coach. Doug Peterson has taken this team back to what they were under former head coach Andy Reid. And I think Philly is ready to be a force come January in the NFC playoffs. For the 49ers, they're still searching for that first victory. And for Kyle Shanahan, their head coach, he has to go out there and he has to try to keep the ship righted because it's very easy for people to give up when they are not winning contests. So I just want to see how the Niners are going to respond after this blowout defeat that came today at the hands of the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, looking ahead to week number nine for both of these teams, you're going to have the 49ers hosting the Arizona Cardinals next Sunday afternoon, while for the Philadelphia Eagles, they will find themselves in week number nine at home once again, this time to take on the Denver Broncos. Folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. 
Now, moving right along, you had the two and five Indianapolis Colts taking on the two and four Cincinnati Bengals. And it was three to three midway in the second quarter when the Colts got their first touchdown of the contest when quarterback Jacoby Brissett connected with tight end Jack Doyle from 13 yards out to give them the 10 to three advantage. Now Cincinnati would immediately come back and respond as they put together a seven play 91 yard drive, which is capped off when quarterback Andy Dalton connected with his BFF and wide receiver AJ green from 10 from eight yards out to not the score at 10 apiece. Now, it was 13 to 10 in favor of the Colts going to the half and Cincinnati would get the football to start the second half. And they would begin by marching down the field on an 11 play 77 yard drive, which ate up nearly six minutes of game clock. And it was capped off when Dalton connected with Josh Malone on a 25 yard score to give the Bengals the 17 to 13 lead. Now the Colts would come right back and put together a 13 play 88 yard drive that ate up seven minutes of game clock, and it was capped off when Brissett found running back Marlon Mack on a 24-yard touchdown pass to give Indianapolis the 20-7 to lead. Now, late in this contest, Indianapolis was up by the score of 23-17, to and they were looking to put together a drive to ice this contest. However, Brissett was picked off by Bengals defensive end Carlos Dunlap, who returned it 16 yards for the score, and to put Cincinnati ahead by the score of 24 to 23. And the uh, Bengals would go on to win this contest today by that score. And for Andy Dalton, he was 17 of 29 passing today for 243 yards or two TDs with no picks while he was sacked three times by this Colts defense. And I'll tell you like this. The Bengals' offense, ever since they made the change at offensive coordinator, they've looked different. And after their sluggish start, I still don't see them as being a playoff team. But I'm going to put them in that category of being dangerous in the second half of the year. Now, for Indianapolis, I don't know what you do. Because when Andrew Luck was healthy – the front office has failed to put a team around him. And now, you know, you're asking Jacoby Brissett, a guy who was not there in training camp because he was with the Patriots, to keep the seat warm for Andrew Luck. And honestly, I don't see Andrew Luck getting on the field this season at any point for the Colts. And honestly, I don't think there's anything to be gained by putting Andrew Luck on the field for the Colts anyway. You're two and six. You're not going anywhere. You don't have a good team. This guy has already been beaten up by he, because of the fact that he has not played and been protected by a good offensive line. So what are you going to prove by putting him out there? This is a dysfunctional organization. And if I, if I was Andrew Luck personally, I try to get my way out of town. I seek to be traded. So you look ahead to week number nine for both of these teams. And for Indy, they will find themselves on the road next Sunday afternoon to take on the Houston Texans, while for Cincinnati, they will find themselves in week number nine on the road to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. And finally, it was a London game this morning as you had the 5-2 and two 
Minnesota Vikings traveling to take on the winless Cleveland Browns. And for Cleveland, they actually showed signs of life as early in the first quarter, Isaiah Crowell scampered for a 26-yard touchdown run to make it 6 to nothing. and in typical Cleveland Browns form, they missed the ensuing extra point. Now, it was 6-3 to three in favor of Cleveland late in the second quarter when the Vikings scored their first touchdown of the game when quarterback Case Keenum connected with Adam Thielen on an 18-yard pass. And like the Browns, Minnesota would miss their extra point try as well. Now, it was 16-15 to 15 late in the third quarter, and the Browns were actually winning when the Vikings put together their second touchdown drive of the game. This time it was an eight-play, 75-yard drive that culminated with a one-yard run by Jarek McKinnon. The Vikings would then go for two points, and they called McKinnon's number again, and they were successful to extend their lead to 23-16. to 16. And in the early stages of the fourth quarter, Minnesota was able to put this contest away when Keenum connected with tight end Kyle Rudolph from four yards out, and this capped off a nine-play, 85-yard drive, pardon me, 84-yard drive to give Minnesota the 30-16 to lead, and the Vikings would go on to win this contest today by the score of 33-16. to And for Case Keenum, he was 27-53 of passing for 288 yards or two TDs, and a pick while Adam Thielen did chip in with five receptions for 98 yards and a TD. Now, Brown's rookie quarterback, Deshaun Kaiser, was 18 of 34 passing for a buck 79 with no TDs and no picks while he was sacked three times. And, you know, for the Cleveland Browns, what can you say? I mean, I, you know, I don't know who, who thought it was going to be a great idea to send the Browns over to England to showcase American football, but that is not the case. Uh, The Browns, by far, are the worst team in the National Football League. And I know that the Niners have been uh, unable to win a contest here in 2017 either, but there's more upside for San Francisco than it is Cleveland. And you look at this Cleveland team, there's no leadership. You have a rookie quarterback out there getting beat up on a bad team. And I mean, it could actually get worse for the Browns. They were 1-15 last season. There's a possibility they go over the season this year. So I don't know what you do. And, I, I, you know, credit to Minnesota for going out there and facing a bad team and taking advantage of that and doing what they had to do. And because of that, they were able to go out there and get a victory. They're 6-2, and two, and right now they are the team to beat in the NFC North, and I think it's good for them as they head into their bye week And for the Browns, they'll be in their bye week as well in week number nine, but they've got to find a way to win a game sooner rather than later. So, folks, the call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. You take a look at the divisional standings around the NFL, and like I said before, this is the time of the year where the Patriots begin to flex their muscles in the AFC North. However, they're 6-2, and two, but they only have a half-game lead over the Buffalo Bills. And right now, Buffalo doesn't appear to be going away. Why? Because they can run the football and they can play defense. And these two teams have yet to face each other this season, so it's going to be interesting to see how those two divisional contests play out. 
The Steelers are 5-2, and two, and they are leading the AFC North, and they are looking to maintain a two-game lead over the Baltimore Ravens, who defeated the Miami Dolphins on Thursday night. But, I mean, even if the Steelers lose this contest tonight, I mean, they're in a tight one right now with the Detroit Lions. They're up by a point. But Pittsburgh still is the team to beat in the AFC North. You look at the AFC South, and, I mean, it's really congested there. You have both Tennessee and Jacksonville at 4-3. and three. They were both off today. Houston missed an opportunity to tie them for first place in this division. They're 3-4, and four, but these teams still face each other this season. So there is still a lot to be settled within that division. You look at the AFC West, the Kansas City Chiefs are 5-2, and two, and, of course, they take on the 3-3 three and three Denver Broncos tomorrow night. And this is an opportunity for the Chiefs with a victory to really uh, distance themselves from the pack in this division as both Los Angeles and Oakland are 3-5. and five. Now, on the NFC East side, Philly is running away with this division. I know that Dallas won today to go to 4-3, and three, and they still have to face Philadelphia twice this season, but the Cowboys simply don't have enough to catch the Red Hot Eagles. In the NFC North, like I just said, it's Minnesota's division to lose right now. Things changed when Aaron Rodgers was lost for the Green Bay Packers. Detroit is 3-3. Three and three. And like I said, you look at Chicago, they, yes, they're 3-5, and five, but they are going to be a very dangerous team in the second half of the season. You look at the NFC South, and you expected uh, Carolina and Atlanta to be there, but New Orleans is currently leading this division with a record of 5-2. and two. You have Carolina, who's 5-3, and three, and you have Atlanta, who is four and three. And like I said before, it's the Saints defense. And you look at the Saints and the Panthers, they're both going to be there because they play defense. It's going to be who is able to run the football more effectively. And let's not forget, New Orleans was already able to defeat Carolina on the road this season. And then the NFC West, it is shaping up to be a two-team race as Seattle was able to win today and they maintain pace with the Los Angeles Rams. And Seattle does hold a victory over Los Angeles already this season. Then you look at the playoff standings, and I want to start off in the AFC as New England is once again sitting in the catbird seat with a record of 6-2. and two. Both Pittsburgh and Kansas City, they still have yet to have their games decided uh, for week number eight, but it could be interesting because all three of these teams could have a record of 6-2 and two once uh, this week is over. And, you know, but all three of these teams want to keep pace with one another. I mean, you look at it, Pittsburgh's beating Kansas City. Kansas City's beating New England. Pittsburgh and New England still play this season, so there's still plenty to be decided. And all of these teams want a first-round bye, and all of these teams want home field advantage. So it's going to be very competitive uh, with these three clubs coming down the stretch in the second half. You have Tennessee, who is currently leading the AFC South with a record of 4-3. and three. While your two wild cards right now would be Buffalo and Jacksonville. Now Jacksonville is four and three, while Miami is also four and three, and that was a very embarrassing loss that the Dolphins took this past Thursday night at the hands of the Baltimore Ravens. And Baltimore is right behind Miami with a record of four and four. Now on the NFC side, it's Philadelphia right now with the best record at seven and one. While you have the Minnesota Vikings right there with at six and two, while both New Orleans, Seattle, and LA are all five and two, while Carolina is five and three. And on the outside looking in, it's a trio of four and three teams in Atlanta, Green Bay, and Dallas. 
And you look ahead to week number nine, Chicago, Cleveland, Minnesota, New England, Pittsburgh, and Los Angeles all have their bye weeks. But the action will get started on Thursday night as the Buffalo Bills will travel to face the New York Jets. Both of these teams play defense, but Buffalo has been able to force more turnovers, and they can run the football, which should be able to lead them to a victory on the road versus the Jets. Now, next Sunday afternoon in Nashville, it's going to be the Baltimore Ravens taking on the Tennessee Titans. The Titans were, of course, off here in week number eight. And for Baltimore, you want to try to keep the momentum going after you secured that big victory on Thursday night at home versus the Dolphins. It's going to be an NFC South showdown next Sunday afternoon as you're going to have the New Orleans Saints hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay is 0-3 on the road this season, but they could still play spoiler in this divisional race, but their offense really has to pick up the pace and is asking them to do a lot against a very stingy Saints defense. Next Sunday afternoon, you're going to have the Los Angeles Rams traveling to take on the New York Giants. And for the Rams, they're 5-2 and two and looking good, while this season cannot end quick enough for the New York Giants. And now you're going to ask quarterback Eli Manning to go out there and get a victory against a team that has one of the better defenses in the NFL, while the Giants simply have nobody to throw the football to in their pass game. Next Sunday afternoon, you're going to have the Denver Broncos taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. And for the Broncos, their offense has really struggled. And now you're asking a lot for them to travel cross-country after a Monday night game and contend with the hottest team in the NFL in Philly, who has won their last six contests. It's going to be a big-time NFC South showdown between the Atlanta Falcons and the Carolina Panthers. Both of these teams have three losses on the season, and both of them want to keep pace with New Orleans. And for the loser, the opportunity to win the NFC South could diminish. It's going to be the Cincinnati Bengals traveling to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars. And don't look now, but Cincinnati has an opportunity to try to creep back into this postseason race, but they have to find a way to, to slow down this Jaguars rushing attack. It's going to be the Indianapolis Colts traveling to take on the Houston Texans. Houston's 3-4, and four, but they play a lot better than what their record shows. And for Indianapolis, they've been game, but can they find a way to slow down Texans rookie quarterback Deshaun Watson? Now, it's going to be the Arizona Cardinals traveling to take on the San Francisco 49ers. The Cardinals, of course, had their bye week here in week number eight. And they want to try to get back to 500 against the winless Niners. But will the Niners be able to take advantage of the fact that the Cardinals no longer have the services of quarterback Carson Palmer this season? Now, in the Pacific Northwest, you're going to have the Washington Redskins taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Redskins, who have had issues on their offensive line as well as in their passing game, now have to face a very opportunistic Seahawks defense that is looking to get back on track after they were torched by the Houston Texans this afternoon. It's going to be a big one in AT&T Stadium in Dallas as you're going to have the 5-2 and two Kansas City Chiefs taking on the 4-3 and three Dallas Cowboys. Now, for Dallas, they definitely want to establish their running game, but you look at their defense right now. They are flying around to the football, and you want to see if they're going to be able to make life tough for Chiefs quarterback Alex Smith. Next Sunday night, you're going to have the 3-5 and five Oakland Raiders traveling to take on the 4-3 and three Miami Dolphins. Both of these teams suffered tough uh, road losses here in week 
number eight, and I want to see which team is going to be able to get back on track, and it starts with the running game and their defenses. And finally, on Monday Night Football, it's going to be the Detroit Lions taking on the Green Bay Packers. And, of course, this game has lost some of its luster due to the fact that the Packers will not have the services of Aaron Rodgers. But just like the Minnesota Vikings, the Lions need to try to find a way to take advantage of that and make some noise for themselves in the NFC North. So that's going to do it tonight, folks. And as always, I want to take this time out to thank you for tuning in to the 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge show here on blogtalkradio.com. I'll be back on the air next Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. And this time I will be recapping the action from week number nine in the NFL season. Now, if you're on Twitter, please feel free to follow me at 300 Pounds of Sports. And like I always say, if you follow me, it will be my pleasure to follow you right back. Also, there is the Facebook page at 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge. You can check it out. And you are more than welcome to like it as well. Also, uh, you can always check me out on 300poundsofsportsknowledge.com where I fancy myself as a total sports package for the total fan. As always, much love to 150 pounds of sports knowledge. She knows who she is, and without her, none of this good stuff that you are hearing is possible. And as always, much love to my wonderful daughter, Penelope. And like I keep saying, it's a pleasure to see her grow and grow on a daily basis, and I know that she is going to do some big and wonderful things in this world of ours. So once again, fine folks, my name is William Martin. Take care, have yourselves a good night, and thanks once again for tuning in to the 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge Show here on blogtalkradio.com. 